That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is, Look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Part of the Problem. Libertarian Tupac here, Dave Smith. The fire Rob Bernstein there. Rob Bernstein. What's up, dude? How you feeling? Nothing much. Just working on my couch camouflage skills. I will be yeah, one with this couch. They're pretty damn on point. You walk into Rob's uh, place, you're just like, is Rob's head floating above that couch? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. He chose that. Well, if you're a fan of banter like that, come see us in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. We're coming out there soon. Uh, next weekend, we'll be out there uh, having a gay old time. Go to comicdavismith.com or check the description here for all the ticket links. I'll, I'll be out in uh, Los Angeles. I'm doing some shows at the Comedy Store uh, before then. Going to LA, home for a day, out to, uh, out to Dallas, and then a whole bunch of traveling. Detroit the following weekend and uh, a lot of other stuff coming up. comicdavismith.com for all of the ticket links. All right, let's get into today's show. So, as you're aware, uh, Rob, is a a pretty big deal and um, something that, you know, uh, uh, pretty impactful on uh, what we've been talking about for the last few years here is that it has officially been announced that in May, COVID's over, um, which it, uh, you know, kind of feels like COVID's over now if you can announce that it's over in May. Um, it's COVID's kind of, in a way, been over for a while, at least in terms of the uh the, the craziest aspects of the response to it, but it is officially uh, de- declared now that in May, the state of emergency uh, that was first declared by Donald Trump, as much as many of his supporters would like to let him off the hook for that, um, that that is coming to an end. And that seems like a big deal, even if not that the uh, the craziest parts of the policies have have already gone away. It still seems, uh, if nothing else, symbolically, that's a big deal to say, OK, we are no longer in an emergency, you know, war on COVID. Um, what do you think? 
Uh, I think I'm going to continue to panic for three months. I think that it's uh, nice that for those in the panic community, uh, the president has given us the right to continue to live like psychopaths for three more months. So I appreciate that. Well, yeah, you want to give people a little bit of a little bit of an out. Like, I know you can't just stop panicking tomorrow. So we'll give you we'll give you three more months. But so at least officially, this whole thing will be over in May of 2023, a little over three years after it it started um and it's it seems like a good time to reflect on like okay what the hell happened over these last three years because that was the most insane thing uh that we've ever lived through and just the most disastrous you know government response to to just about anything and that's got some pretty uh steep competition so you know anyway as the three years end it's like whoo that felt like a really long 15 days. So let's look back at it and, and see what we can we can learn. And I think, you know, as we've been talking about on some of the, the last few episodes, it's I hope that there is some type of reckoning that comes as a result of this. Like now that you're out of the crisis, even though we've been out of the crisis for quite a while, now that it's officially recognized we're out of the crisis, we can say, OK, look, who got it right? Who didn't get it right? Why did these people get it right? Why did these people get it wrong? Maybe, you know, things like we were talking about Brett Weinstein saying, hey, Sam Harris, why don't you come sit down with me? Let's discuss this. Why were we on, you know, why were we seemingly operating on different planets throughout this time? Whose planet seemed to have had better predictive powers than the other one? Stuff like this. Um, So it seems like this is a good time uh, to reflect on this. And uh, God willing, some of the people in positions of power should be held accountable. For what they did so after them all big old trials so in that spirit i had a bit of an exchange on twitter today with uh scott adams who we had mentioned uh on this show a couple episodes ago i actually gave uh some credit to to scott who had kind of at least seemingly partially admitted that he was wrong and that the people who were on the other side of it were were turned out to be right um i gave him credit for that you were a little bit less generous to him and you made some some fair points as well but i ended up getting into uh an exchange with him on on twitter and i i do think that you know these things are uh, i think especially now kind of symbolically as we come to the end of it it's it's important and and uh valuable to have some of these exchanges in this world in this kind of internet personality world i think um uh, me and you have been some of the bigger voices really opposing the the government response to COVID from the very beginning. And I think Scott was one of the prominent voices um, not on that side. I don't know exactly what his position was, which seems to be uh, a point, a sticking point for him. I don't exactly understand that. But I just want to read this exchange and kind of go through it. And, and because there was a challenge uh, that was issued to me here. So let's see if we can't take up this uh, this challenge. So uh, this started as an exchange with uh, other people, and I jumped into it. So uh, uh, first, Scott Adams tweeted. He said, today I learned that people who can't tell the difference between my opinions on so-called COVID vaccinations and that of Sam Harris and Ben Shapiro are nonetheless excellent at analyzing the risks of vaccines versus novel viruses. In fact, better than almost all the experts. So that was his uh, original uh, tweet. And uh, Eric, uh, Eric John, who's a uh, the pizza, pizza artist. Yes. Who's he made. Uh, he's, he's great. And he made me on a pizza, which was pretty cool. I believe the first person ever make <laughs> me on a pizza. 
So I will always be grateful to Eric for that. So he he responded and said, I think comic Dave Smith said it best when he explained that when you start from the premise that the government is lying to you, then you require solid proof for everything they do, which in this case never existed. Um, so that was his response. I thought a, a, a pretty fair job of summarizing what we were talking about uh, recently. And then Scott responded to him and said, it's important to ignore half of the risks to get to that opinion. So that's what what he responded to that. So in other words, you must be ignoring half the risk in order to get to the opinion that you distrust the government uh, as a premise. And I'd like to see the math on that one. Which 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 half of the risk? Which risk are we like? What what are so, you allocating out here? What would be fifty percent of that? It just uh, yeah yeah really it's right. Yeah, well, it's it it makes no sense. Um, and so anyway, I wasn't in this thread, but I saw this, and because I was tagged in it, and it was responding to me, and Scott Adams was responding to to my, you know, argument. So I I uh, I responded and I said that's just not true. Skepticism of government as a starting point doesn't require one to ignore anything. It simply requires that you not ignore the risks of authoritarianism, which far too many people did. Um, and to just be clear. On what I'm saying there, it's a uh, you could think COVID was an in incredibly risky and still be skeptical of government. Like there's nothing in that that, you know, uh, requires you not to think it's risky. I could think many things are very risky and still be very skeptical of government, still know that these are not honest people, that these are uh, it's essentially a legalized criminal organization. None of those uh, views are in conflict. So, no, it's just that's just not true. Um, and there was something kind of slippery about the way uh, Scott Adams resp uh, responded to me. His response was, which I, I don't like when people do this, when they just like move the goalposts like this. Um, so that's he made a claim that is logically not true. I pointed out why it's not true. You could you know what I mean? Like I, I could even think that uh, covid was going to wipe out 50 percent of the human race. And still start from a starting point of being skeptical of government. It's just not true that I have to ignore that. Also, the point you made, why are you assuming that's 50% of the risk? Where'd you get this half number from? I would argue that lockdowns and mandates were way worse than COVID. Uh, so whatever. Um, but then he said, so his response to that um, is he goes, how did you calculate your risk of long COVID with and without the shot? Well, so. He's I mean, asking, you're in fucking La La Land here. How do I quantify my risk about something that probably doesn't even exist? Uh, yes. Yeah, I guess that's a difficult math equation. You got me. Yeah, so so I responded by saying... What's the risk um, of the tooth fairy coming back into my house to take more teeth? I don't know. I haven't really sat down and thought about that one either, Scott. Why not that <laughs> well, right. it happen? I, I, exactly. Yes, thank you. Okay, so what I said to him is uh, he's, he asked, how do I calculate... He said, how do you calculate your risk of long COVID with and without the shot. And I responded to him saying, I'm not pretending to have a perfect calculation of something impossible to calculate. <laughs> the I said, the chances of me getting, quote, long COVID, unquote, and I put that in quotes for an obvious reason, are incredibly small, and there isn't a shred of evidence that the, va that the vax would reduce it. Not sure what point you're making. That, yeah, was, if anything, that was my response. The evidence would be what evidence do you have that there was any utility in taking this and why yeah. and how would you quantify your risk of uh, health concerns four years from now from uh, an endless booster regimen uh, that the government's recommending? 
Right. I mean, but to say this thing of like, how do you like, first of all, he's asking how you calculate this, because obviously it's impossible to to calculate this. We don't even exactly understand what long COVID is or if it really exists. People with depression Um, because of government mandates that change their lifestyles. Well, like what percentage of the people who are are saying they suffered from long COVID are hypo, uh, hypochondriacs? And this is something psychosomatic like we we just don't know. And there it might be the case that there are some people who really got COVID and then suffer. there's it certainly is true that there are people who got COVID very bad, who got pneumonia in the wake of COVID, who had lung damage. I mean, that is that is something that can happen. Um, so, but what exactly are we considering long COVID? All these things seem to get like mushed together, but the idea of people who just had COVID, um, and this uh, like had a mild case of COVID and then claim they got long COVID. I mean, how would you even know that that was actually from COVID versus some other virus that they got or versus maybe even, um, jab that they got? It's, it's, it's just impossible to even get a sense of what the exact odds are and then know what you know what i mean what the odds of that are and then what the odds are with the vaccine by the way if someone could actually define these things down and then measure have a control group of people who are unvaccinated versus vaccinated i'd be be interested to to look at the results of that all right guys let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show which is stamps.com stamps.com has everything you need to make your life a whole lot easier it's the 24 7 post office that you can access from anywhere no lines no traffic no hassle for more than 20 years stamps.com has been in Indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Get access to the United States Postal Service and UPS services you need to run your business right from your computer. With inflation on the rise, every dollar counts. Protect your margin with major discounts from the post office and UPS rates up to 86% off. Use stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and a printer. And if you need a package picked up, you can easily schedule it through your stamps.com dashboard. Rates are constantly changing, but with Stamps.com's switch and save feature, you can easily compare carriers and rates so you know you're getting the best deal every time. And if you're running an online store, Stamps.com works seamlessly with all the major shopping carts and marketplaces. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code PROBLEM and you'll get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone on the top of the homepage and enter the promo code problem all right let's get back into the show this is where I've, i got into the territory where i was like oh, i think scott's being very dishonest so his response to this was he said you know your odds of long covid you will have to teach me how i was not aware that was possible well you so, said you didn't know the odds of it this is yes. he's just being a real weaselly cunt because his move is he wants to pretend like there was never evident like i i really don't understand it you know, I, I guess I really got to do my homework and go back and see specifically what he was advocating for in regards to. Well, COVID. it just seems I just like don't he's care being, about his position he, that much. He's being. Yeah. And, and neither do I. So it's like, just tell me what you're arguing. He's being right. intentionally slippery here because. Uh, so I said, I'm not pretending to have a perfect calculation of something impossible to calculate. The chances of me getting long COVID in quotes are incredibly small. So then he says, you know, your odds of getting long COVID. You'll have to teach me how I was not aware that was possible. This is just like silly trickery. I specifically said I don't can't calculate exactly what the odds are. I said I know that they're very low. And then he said, oh, so you know your odds. He goes, no, 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 no. There's a very big different. There's, there's two very different claims. One claim is I know my exact 
the exact, you know, I can calculate the exact risk of getting long COVID. The other is to say, I know it's very low. Now that, let's say I have no data on getting struck by lightning. So you'd be like, what are, what are your odds of getting struck by lightning? And I'd go, well, I don't know exactly what the odds are because I don't have the data, but I know they're very low. It would be like, oh, I thought you just said you don't know what the odds are. It's like, well, yes, no, I don't know exactly what the odds are. I do know that they're very low. That very low is also a relative term. You know what I mean? Like, what is very low? If the odds of getting struck by lightning were like 5%, we'd probably consider that very high. But I think it's reasonable to say, yes, the odds of me having severe negative health uh, outcomes from COVID are very low by any reasonable standard. So he's just playing a, a game here. So at this point, uh, uh, someone uh, sends me a, a tweet from uh, Scott Adams that he, he tweeted earlier today when he said, um, he said, uh, have I taken the prank far enough yet? And evidently he's talking to a bunch of other people about how that he's like pranking the people who, uh, who, who are skeptical of, of the COVID response or something or the anti-vaxxers, whatever he might call us. So then I responded to him and I said, hey, Scott, someone just sent me your tweet saying this was a prank. So if your game here is that you're saying things you don't believe, and I'm assuming that you believe them, then you got me. Good one, I guess. Like, so, so what, what's the prank here exactly? Like, you don't really. Um, to which he responded, you haven't spotted the prank. Um, this is where I predicted. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This isn't the next response. Sorry. You know how Twitter does this thing sometimes where it's not exactly uh, in the order. The playing his own game. Well, so he goes, you haven't spotted the prank yet. This is where I predicted you would tap out. I wouldn't, uh, uh, I wouldn't answer my last two questions if I were you either. So he sent these two tweets and then uh, said, uh, let me see if I can find the other tweets, because this is where the, the meat of what I really wanted to get into. Um, oh, okay, so no, I'm sorry. I guess that last one uh, was one of them. The You know your odds of long COVID. So I guess we already kind of talk about that hey, like no good luck with the rebranding scott adams on becoming wrong and annoying i hope that this works well for your career for a guy that we <laughs> praised as being brilliant and obviously being smart enough to create good content you seem to be going in a new direction of being wrong about stuff and then just annoying about it so good luck so i think by the way i think what he's trying to do here i think the prank which i don't know again but it's like i, I don't know dude like just tell us what your position is and then tell us what point you're demonstrating through this prank or something but i think the prank is something like um uh i can get all of these people these people who are against the vaccine to tell me how wrong i was but then they're also going to demonstrate that they think they can calculate all of these risks better than the experts can and when it comes down to it they don't really know anything you can't tell me what your odds of long covid with or without the vax are and essentially i think essentially his, his argument is that it was all kind of just luck like some of us were right, some of us were wrong. So now the ones who are proven right, which he admits were us, they just happen to get there by luck because they can't really calculate all of these unknowns either. Um, but again, this is just silly. And just as I said, he's so so this is, by the way, what got me. The reason um, that I've responded to all of this is because he, and why I'm talking about it on the podcast is because he said, which, OK, if you're trying to prank me or you're trying to get at me, that's a pretty effective way is he goes, I predicted you would tap out at these two questions. So I'm like, well, Mr. Predictions, not only are your predictions wrong, I'm not tapping out. 
I'm going to do a whole segment on this on my podcast. So if anyone wants to clip this and send it over to Scott, uh, we can do this. And by the way, very happy to host uh, Scott anytime he wants to come uh, on the show. Open invite to him. We can discuss all of these things and he can explain where he's coming from and I can explain where I'm coming from. I think as one of the uh, larger platforms who are out here, I'm pretty damn proud of our track record on all of this. And I think not only were we right uh, about all of the major questions uh, involving COVID, I think we really demonstrated why we were right about them. Like exactly what we were looking at and why we could see that this was the also, correct. Uh, uh, every step of the way, we looked at the government information coming out and said they're clearly lying about the utility of this. And now maybe I'm giving us too much credit here. But from what I remember, like I was just out and about not too concerned with the risks of covid. And I was like, this doesn't I, I don't understand why I would take this thing of little utility when they don't have the long term result. Like I just was looking at it. Hey, this makes no sense. So I don't understand him coming forward now and going, well, how could you have possibly made a good decision then? Well, I looked at the information that came out and it was clear to me that the government was lying. They were mismarketing the product. I read the materials of the actual studies. It was as many deaths in the category of people that were vaccinated. I read about relative risk reduction versus absolute risk reduction. I listened to scientists who told me that viruses mutate and that this isn't going to work for the mutations. These were all things that were known back when the vaccine was released. So I don't understand this new trickery game of, or yeah, I guess you can ask me specific questions that were irrelevant for making an informed decision. Yeah, there was and, an informed and, decision that there was no evidence that this was good, and that was yeah. it. Yeah, and and even before that, with stuff like with the lockdowns, it was very easy right away. And I suppose that you could argue that this is somewhat philosophical and not Im empirical. Um, but it was very easy to say that no one was nearly concerned enough with the ungodly amount of authority we were handing over to governors to dictate every intimate aspect of individuals' lives on the promise that this would mitigate the virus, it was pretty easy to oppose that or at least go like, whoa, we need a real conversation about this. There needs to be like a healthy debate about this and not just like, oh, we're scared, so throw our hands up lockdowns. Um, and then, look, there were predictions after predictions about what a disaster uh, reversing the lockdowns in Florida would be, what a disaster not locking down in Sweden would be. And none of these predictions came true. And it was very easy to see that if lockdowns were to be justified, there should be a drastic difference. Like, there's, it, it's just so obvious that in order to justify kicking tens of millions of people out of work and closing schools and destroying people's lives and isolating people and all of this stuff, that... It, it's not like, oh, and we did all that and we got one less case of COVID or something. You'd be like, well, then that's not worth it. It would the the, the implicit uh, uh, um, premise of lockdowns was that this will this has to be substantially better than the places that don't lock down. And that's just not true. That just didn't happen. And there's there's lots of like sound arguments we were making all the way throughout all of this stuff. So anyway. Back to this, this was the other thing that Scott insisted that he or he predicted. And now I hope maybe we could all agree since he gave at least one. He gave at least one solid view here, which is that he predicted I would tap out after these two questions. And he's wrong about that. I'm doing a whole segment on my podcast about it. OK, so again, respect responding to me when I said I'm not pretending to have a perfect calculation of something impossible to calculate. The chances of me getting uh, long COVID are incredibly small uh, and there isn't a shred of evidence that the backs would would reduce it. Not sure what your point uh, what point you're making. And then his other response to this was he said, is there a shred of evidence the shots reduced the severity of outcomes for elderly people during Alpha and Delta? And did you assume the severity would be unrelated to the long COVID outcomes? 
Um, so can I just that's know, a he's being weaselly in that let's just not discuss long COVID. There's no re if we're having a reasonable discussion about risks and we're trying to decide whether or not a vaccines are a good or a bad idea, and you're throwing long COVID into that discussion, you're throwing a monkey wrench in, which is it, it you haven't even quantified that it is a risk factor. What like what you evidence can't even you, define yeah. what long COVID is? So what just, are we talking like, about? So I'm just saying, if you want to have a a, a a good discussion about risks and vaccines, let's take long COVID out of it because that seems to just be the newest version of government propaganda for the horrors of actually getting sick, and the vaccines don't even prevent you from getting sick. So I, I don't even know how you could be having a discussion about uh, the vaccine preventing you from getting long COVID. Do you even know the numbers of? Uh, people who have been vaccinated or not vaccinated and how many of them have long COVID. Yeah. I mean, and they're also by the, way, the fact that the vaccine has reduced long COVID. That seems it, it, that would be an impossible conversation to have. So if you actually want to have an evidence-based conversation, that's a very stupid thing to be throwing in there. Yeah. Look, there's, there's actually a lot of evidence at this point to suggest that the vaccinated, at least a, a, a certain amount of time later are more likely to get COVID. Um, and so if that's the case and they're in those uh, those age groups that he's talking about, uh, he said for uh, elderly people, who knows if there is long COVID, then maybe they're increasing. the Anyway, look, I, I just to take this on, he said, is there the first part? <clears throat> is there a shred of evidence that the shots reduced the severity of outcomes for elderly people during Alpha and Delta? Probably Let's just take on I mean, that question. Evidence. Probably. Yes. A yeah. shred of evidence. Yes, there, there was some evidence that um, immediately uh, after taking the vaccine, people had some uh, protection. It does seem that, at least for alpha, it's, it does seem like that there was some reduction in the extreme negative outcomes for elderly people right after taking the vaccine. And now, vaccine not, hold on, let me just yeah. say, not as much as they claimed. Not nearly as much as you as they claimed, because when you start to scratch the surface of it, they were manipulating a lot of these numbers and examples that we've talked about before, counting um, the the deaths amongst unvaccinated and then starting it at January in 2021, which was before anyone was unvaccinated. So you were just counting all of those deaths as being the unvaxed versus vaxed when everyone was unvaccinated. So it was unclear. There was a lot of shady things that went on to the uh, into the the numbers that the, the official government numbers. But. That's that's not to say there wasn't a shred of evidence there. There was there. There was a shred of evidence that within a certain amount of period, which seems to be much shorter uh, than they said, like we're talking like maybe three or four months after getting double vaccinated, you were you had slightly better protection against alpha. That's that's what the evidence seems to point to. But that's that's far from a justification for any of the you know vaccine mandate regime. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our wonderful sponsor for today's show. And that, of course, is sheathunderwear.com, the underwear of legends. And as one of those legends, let me tell you why I love sheath underwear. It is the it is the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you will ever wear. They're really quality. As soon as you feel them, you're like, oh, yeah, these are going to be really nice. And they have the dual pouch technology, which really just it keeps your man parts separated. It just feels good. Uh, I was a little skeptical at first. And if you're skeptical, you don't have to use the dual pouches. You just wear them like regular boxer briefs. And they'll still be the most comfortable boxer briefs you've ever worn. But I'd recommend trying the dual pouch system. It's a game changer. And Sheath has been advertising on this podcast for three years now. I still have the original pair of Sheath underwear that they sent me. And that was what changed it all. 
They started advertising. They sent me a pair and I was like, these are just incredible. And then I threw out all my other underwear and I only have sheath now. So if you've somehow never heard of sheathunderwear.com, the loyal sponsor of part of the problem, go check them out. Get the most comfortable underwear you will ever own. They also have a bunch of other, they have gator necks and base layers and hoodies. They got t-shirts, a lot of stuff. It's all really great, really quality. Go check them out. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code problem 20 for 20% off your next order. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code problem 20 for 20% off. All right, let's get back into the show. And we don't really take a stance against uh, elderly or people in risk categories getting vaccinated. Might have made sense for those people. Probably should have had a conversation with their own doctors. I don't think that was ever our position. Yeah, no, certainly not. I was I was always uh, somewhat agnostic on that issue. Like, I was kind of like, I don't know if you're like, I kind of just look at it. It's like, well, if you feel like you're in a high risk category or if you're in a high risk category for COVID, um, which are really, statistically speaking, the only people who who have really negative outcomes from COVID. If you're one of those people and you want to try this new experimental vaccine, you know, like, OK, I mean, I don't think the um, that the clinical trials demonstrated too much, um, but OK, yeah, that's that's fine. I don't really have a problem with someone taking that. I also think that for, let's say, you know, if you're talking about the risks associated with the vaccine, an 85-year-old rolling the dice on those is a much different thing than a 15-year-old. You know, it's just like, I don't know, <laughs> you're already on borrowed time, kind of. You've already made it past, like, the the uh, expected life expectancy. Um it's just a kind of different thing. I, I I don't know exactly what your risk versus reward there is. At this point, I'd probably lean toward uh, I, I wouldn't, but I don't know. I think it was probably just going into government and, and generally speaking, just government mandates that restrict freedom um, in order to try and incentivize or force people to take a vaccine. That, that That's what we were taking issue with. Yeah. And and that there were clearly huge swaths of the po- of the population that were being forced to take this or have their livelihood ruined or like not be able to participate in society when it made absolutely no sense like absolutely no sense at all i mean they were like you know there's like colleges pe- people who are at like university like grad students who had been double vaccinated and had covid so now had natural immunity and a month later had to get a booster if they wanted to return to school there's just no defending this. And yet it was mandated. And of course, we opposed the blatantly unconstitutional, uh, you know, uh, uh, laws that were being pushed. Uh, think of Biden's, um, you know, uh, uh, OSHA mandate that was even the Supreme Court said this is blatantly unconstitutional and struck it down. So there were a lot of things like this that were just they were insane. They did nothing to uh, to, you know help people or save people from COVID. And they, in reality, destroyed many people's lives. Um, so anyway, just the, the final part of Scott's question here, he asked also, and did you assume that uh, the severity would be unrelated to the long COVID outcome? Um, Once again, f- fucking yeah, I, I, I don't know. What are you talking about with long COVID? You're, you're literally introducing, hey, let's have a ridiculous fantasy conversation. Let's talk about the tooth fairy, Scott. You want to come on the show and talk about the tooth fairy? Let's do it. Yeah, you know, if you're talking about the severity of, um, so, so the first question was, did they reduce the severity at all in the very beginning uh, for uh, the elderly population? And um, is severity related to what you call long COVID? Well, if that's what you're referring to as long COVID, what you're really talking about is like lung damage in when people get pneumonia in the wake of COVID, which is a real thing. 
you can get lung damage if you have a very bad uh, pneumonia. Um, so I suppose I'd say it's possible that it would have reduced that very slightly for elderly people at the beginning of of COVID. But none of that really has to do with what any of our points are. It was, you know, it's like it, it's first what they do is they just uh, lump anyone in uh, who opposes the government mandates as being anti-vax or anyone who's saying, hey, the way these vaccines were sold to people is was all bullshit. And that, in fact, it, it doesn't do everything that they're saying or there might actually be some risks of the side effects uh, of the side effects. And then they say, OK, well, how were you able to calculate that there was never any benefit to anyone of these vaccines? But of course, that's never been our claim. I, I don't know. It's possible. Well it's possible that there were some people um, who uh, who would have had more severe cases of, say, the alpha strain uh, and didn't because they got vaccinated. But that also on, on itself wouldn't be nearly en enough of uh, an analysis, right? Because what if they had some negative outcome from that vaccine later? What if that, and I'm not even talking about like a crazy, oh, their heart stopped or something like that. I'm saying, what if it made them more susceptible to getting COVID, say, a year later, which there does seem to be a lot of evidence to support. So if that's the case, then you'd also have to take into account the risk of that ending up being a very negative uh, uh, outcome. It's just not clear. It's not clear at all. Um, if we, that, what if we kept those people at home and everyone else works so we could actually afford the cost of keeping the vulnerable people at home and then right. all the non-vulnerable people actually got natural immunity and we kicked the virus the good old-fashioned way? Yeah. There you go. So I don't know of, of uh, you know, Scott's uh, position here um, that, you know, Asking that I, I would... riddles that you can't answer to go, oh, look, you guys got lucky. Oh, look, you didn't really have a scientific understanding of this either. You just got lucky. Nope. Yeah. Sorry. I don't think any of the uh, of the positions that we took were we just got lucky on. I think we had solid arguments for it. And those arguments proved to be stronger than the arguments that people on the other side were making. I'm happy to have Scott on the show anytime we can discuss all of this. He can explain to me what his position is. But if he's going to do that, then just explain what your position is. He seems to be this, doing this thing uh, uh, on Twitter. Let at least. me ask you a riddle. Well, well, and he's going, oh, I bet you can't even tell me what my position is. And it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what your position is, Scott. I don't I don't follow you that closely. Um, but I know you've tweeted some things out that seem to be pretty like wrong throughout all of this and i'm happy to to put like uh, i'll i'll put in plain english exactly what my position is and if there's anything you disagree with this please explain to me why i'm wrong here are my positions basically that lockdowns and government vaccine mandates were wrong and ruined millions of people's lives that lockdowns did virtually nothing to uh, prevent the spread of COVID, and they were an absolute like, disaster on every level that they seem to basically have almost zero effect on the spread of COVID. And the only lockdowns that you could actually argue really did something to, to prevent the spread of COVID were like basically like the Chinese style, you know, like lockdowns, where like true like brutal lockdowns that maybe did limit the spread in certain uh, uh, instances. Of course, once you go to that level of government brutality, the problem you have is now way worse than the problem of COVID, and it kills more people than COVID would have killed. Um, and then it seems like as soon as those lockdowns end, the virus ends up spreading exactly as it was going to anyway. My position is that the vaccines were sold based off lies that they knew were lies, that we have people at Pfizer 
doctors on the uh, the the COVID uh, task force all admitting that they knew that this this claim that it was going to prevent uh, transmission of the virus was complete BS from the from the beginning. We know that they didn't even study that in in the trials leading up to the vaccine they had absolutely no evidence yet they looked the american people dead in their eye and told them they were going to force them to get this because it would stop them from prevent uh from transmitting it to other people that transmission was the entire justification for the vaccine passports and the vaccine mandates and that that was all bullshit and that it was absolutely um fascistic uh, authoritarianism to insist that people take a uh, 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 pharmaceutical product if they want to have their natural rights um, that I, I my position is that these pharmaceutical companies are criminal disgusting uh, companies that are in bed with our government that there's people on at the CDC who are taking uh, money from the pharmaceutical companies um, and that the whole thing is corrupt as shit. And that, yes, if we had just been a free country this whole time, we would have been much better off. We wouldn't have ruined nearly as many people's lives and we would have done better against COVID. If you just encouraged people to go for long walks and eat fruit, we would have done better than our response to COVID uh, was. So that's my actual position. If you think anything I'm saying there is wrong, I'm more than happy to argue this out. And this is three years of just destroying the, um, not just this country, but nations around the world. And le- like, we're coming up on the end of it now, and all of it was for nothing. And so I'm pretty damn happy to put my track record up against anyone's and argue any of those positions. But then you'd actually have to come on here and tell me what your position is, and we could talk about it. Happy, in, the, in the spirit of what uh, Brett Weinstein said to uh, Sam Harris, I'm happy to do that. I do it with the moderator. We could do it on your show. We could do it on my show. And also, I will say what Brett uh, Weinstein said, too. It, not, I won't be hostile or shitty or anything like that. Let's just talk about the ideas and see who has a more solid, uh, more, more solid argument. Um, okay. So. And to clarify, I'm less respectful and I won't be involved. So, Scott, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Don't, don't worry, Rob won't be there. Okay, so um, the other thing that I wanted to uh, um, to to talk about on today's show, so a couple other uh, uh, clips that I wanted to play. Here was one. This has been resurfacing around. This was Biden about ten months ago, I think, talking about the war in Ukraine when uh, shortly after it it was first this his broke feelings out. or official policy. Just before we watch the tape. There's it's very hard to know where Joe Biden's feelings begin and end and drift into official policy. Like he feels like uh, we would militarily defend Taiwan if they were invaded by China. But is that actually a policy? Is does Joe Biden, you know, know how to put his pants on? There's a lot of questions uh, up in the air right now. But here's what Joe Biden said about the war in Ukraine way back last year. I want to be clear, though. We're going to make sure Ukraine has the weapons to defend themselves from invading Russian force. And we will send money and food aid to save Ukrainian lives. We're going to welcome Ukrainian refugees with open arms if, in fact, they come all the way here. And as we provide, as we provide this support to Ukraine, we're going to continue to stand together with our allies in Europe and send an unmistakable message that we will defend every inch of NATO territory, every single inch, with a united, galvanized NATO. 
one movement. That's why I moved over 12,000 American forces along the borders with Russia, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, Romania, etc. Because they move once. Granted, we respond in this World War III, but we have a sacred obligation on NATO territory, a sacred obligation, Article 5. And we will not, although we will not fight the Third World War in Ukraine. Putin's war against Ukraine was never be a victory. Democrats are rising to meet the moment, relying, r- rallying the world on the side of peace and security. We're showing the strength and we'll never falter. But look, the idea, the idea that we're going to send in offensive equipment and have planes and tanks and trains uh, going in with American pilots and American crews, just understand, and uh, don't kid yourself, no matter what you all say, that's called World War Three. Okay. So there he was, uh, pretty uh, in pretty plain English. Of course, now seems like we're doing all that. We're doing what Joe Biden himself said would be World War Three. I hate to defend Joe Biden. There's a slight technical distinction, and it might even be accidental. Uh, but he does say pilots and tanks with American with American uh, forces. Yes. So I guess technically we're sending in like uh, these arms without the American forces. So you, you, I, well, I, that's I, not exactly clear uh, to okay. be fair. But yes, there is a technical distinction no, that so you could I, make there. I agree with you that everything that he's doing is an absolute mistake, and we seem to be getting closer to World War Three. Uh, this is a goofy dance that we're sending tanks over there. And it's like, what, like what happens if the Russians attack the tanks before they get there? Do they have to cross a magical line before they're considered at war with Ukraine? Also, while Biden's saying that we're not going to be sending over planes, one of the uh, manufacturers said that they'll sell them the drones for a dollar a piece and then a $10 million shipping cost, which is like a fraction of, I think, what they actually go for. You've got Israel's going, doing secret missions in Iran to blow up now uh, equipment that was supposedly headed for Ukraine. This is not flowing in a good direction, and it's absolutely Biden and his administration's fault that we're not de-escalating this. Um, but I guess he still stood by the not sending planes thus far, and he's saying not sending planes. And I, 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 I know that's technical, but here he's saying, hey, that would mean World War Three by his own admission. He hasn't violated like what would be with his own admission, which would include yes. the Americans. Yes, if you take him at... at... <laughs> In the most generous interpretation, he's saying all of these things would mean right. World War Three. He's not he's listing things off and then saying that would mean World War Three. It's it's fair to say we've done about half of the things that he's listing off. He just also just said sending in offensive weaponry. We're way past that one. Then he mentions tanks. We're doing that now. Uh, the planes, I guess, a little bit of a gray area. Then he also does say operated by Americans. OK, fine. But even if you want to take the most generous interpretation and say he means you have to do all of those things or it's World War Three, seeing as how World War Three, you know, as horrific as World War One and World War Two are pale in comparison to how horrific World War Three would be when you're talking about nuclear armed countries going to world war. What exactly does that look like and how is it not the extinction of the human species? Um, He wouldn't it just at least if the if you're saying, well, if we did all five of these things, then we're going to, that's extinction of the human species. So we're just going to do three and a half of them. Yeah, stupid. W- wouldn't you still be like, oh my God, there is an incredible risk that this could lead to uh, um, World War Three? And I just don't even understand, you know, 
there are, there are some people out there and they make these tired just ridiculous arguments like they're just like well like you know it nato if countries in nato want if other countries want to join nato then that's their right they have a right to have a collective defense agreement with whoever they want to and or they say this shit like it's a defensive alliance which is just i don't know just demonstrably not true like was it a defensive alliance when it launched a regime change war in syria or a regime change war in afghanistan or a regime change war in kosovo none of those were defensive wars None of those wars were fought because though the Gaddafi didn't attack a European country, uh, Milosevic didn't attack a European country. That was a civil war. It was a war within their country. So it's not just a defensive. No, it's an aggressive military alliance. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Zipix. Zipix is incredible. I know it's the end of January, but a lot of you made New Year's resolutions to cut back on smoking or quit smoking or vaping. This can really help you. Zipix has supported thousands of people trying to kick that smoking and vaping habit with their sublingual absorption that gives you that nicotine buzz. Essentially, they're toothpicks with nicotine in them, and you just put them right there on your gums, and you get that nicotine buzz real quick. If you're trying to quit it's a great tool for that if you're not trying to quit but maybe you're just uh, you can't smoke at work you can't smoke on a plane you can't smoke in an office building something like that well you can pop in a zipix toothpick so it's a really great uh great little tool it costs a lot less than cigarettes go to zipixtoothpicks.com use promo code problem 10 that'll get you 10 percent off once again zipixtoothpicks.com promo code problem 10 for 10 percent off all right let's get back into the show even as you hear uh, Biden talking about how, like, well, listen, we will defend these countries. We take Article 5 so seriously, and we will defend all, every inch of NATO. You know, it'd be one thing if, like, they were talking, he's like, the countries he was listing off were like, you know, that's why I've sent all these troops to the border of France and England or something like that. You know, which I still don't, I don't agree with any of these entangling alliances and war guarantees and stuff. But, like, you know, he's going, like... Even as he says it, he's going Latvia and Lithuania and Estonia. And you're like, <laughs> like what? You're, t- you're talking about literally Russia's sphere of influence. So we're amassing troops like a-, a few miles off of Russia's border. That's our great defensive alliance. Like just uh, I-, I just don't understand ever. It's, this has always been so easy for me. And maybe this is why I just like I connected with Ron Paul and with this whole movement so early on was that it was always so easy for me to see when he was talking about the Middle Eastern wars. He would just make the obvious, you know, point of like, well, how would we feel if this was happening to us? It's like the most basic level. It's around four years old that uh, normal people are able to do this. That's the that's the truth, by the way. It's it's about when you're four. If you ask like a three-year-old to put themselves in the other person's position and tell you how that would feel if you were them, they struggle with that. By four, they can do it pretty well. Like my four-year-old daughter can do that pretty well. You can explain to her if she goes and takes a toy that my one-year-old's playing with, I can explain to her like, well, you wouldn't like it if he took your toy, right? And she's like, yeah, I wouldn't like that. And she'll give it back to her. Like she, she can get that at her age. So it always just seems so easy to me. This is the most basic like empathy test or just go like, okay, so like, I don't know if uh, let's say some country in the Middle East had overthrown our government and propped up a brutal dictator and then they were bombing us and killing civilians and like they killed other family members of yours, you'd probably be ready to pick up a gun and go fight them too, right? Yeah, that's kind of that's like fairly easy to wrap your head around. And in the same sense, you're like, I don't know, how would we feel if like Vladimir Putin was amassing troops around Quebec and and Mexico City 
And like what we'd be like, whoa, this is this is pretty aggressive, right? We'd feel pretty threatened. Uh, he led a regime change, uh, you know, in Quebec and overthrew the pro-American government and propped up a pro-Russian government. We'd be like, whoa, that's an act of aggression. Then he's shipping in tons of offensive weapons to Quebec. Like, hey, that's a provocation. And if you're if you're acknowledging that the end result of this provocation at a certain point would be World War III, does does the risk if you're saying he's saying that if we sent in planes, uh, tanks and offensive weaponry operated by Americans, that's World War III. So are you telling me if we just send in offensive weapons and tanks, what is the probability to go to zero? It's 100 percent in his scenario, but what it's zero now. Right. That can't be right. So it's got to be something. So why on for what for what are we playing with this giant risk for? So what that the the most war hungry country in the world, the United States of America is is doing this. What? Because we just hate war so much. We just we just hate aggressive war so much. We can't stand it because it's so evil that we have to go risk nuclear annihilation to prevent it. That doesn't seem right. That's it. That doesn't seem that that uh, plausible. Yeah, it's just so goddamn crazy. Anyway, speaking of uh, how crazy war is, we got to give a shout out uh, to the great Jimmy Dore, who uh, went on Tucker Carlson's show uh, the other day and had just one of the most phenomenal rants about all of this stuff, and particularly the fact that he was talking about China and this uh, general there who, uh, what did he announce, we're going to be at war in uh, China in, well, I think, 2026, maybe he said, or something like that. So we got a few years. Um, but, uh, anyway, I know it's just rhetoric, but it's still pretty disturbing, uh, rhetoric, but, uh, Jimmy Dore had this rant. I want to play it, uh, on the show and just, uh, give him some props. So let's hear Jimmy Dore on Tucker Carlson the other night. We're the ones provoking this war, just like we provoked the war in Ukraine. We are now provoking a war with China. And what? who who benefits? I'll tell you right now. Your enemy is not China. Your enemy is not Russia. Your enemy is the military-industrial complex, which has been fleecing this country to the tunes of hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars. How many times are we going to have a defense secretary say, hey, we can't account for $2 trillion in the Pentagon again, That like, which has happened twice now in my life? lifetime. So again, people are being, uh, uh, the, the war machine cannot be stopped. Who's running this country? The war machine. It certainly isn't Joe Biden making these decisions. I would like to know who is making the decisions. And I just want to remind everybody, the United States is the world's terrorist. We just set the Middle East on fire in the last 20 years. And now we're doing a proxy war in Ukraine, which we provoked, NATO provoked, and it was just admitted that we provoked it by the former prime minister of Germany. And now we're trying to sable rattle with, with China and they're predicting a war. Again, China's not going to invade us. China's not our enemy. They, we might have an economic war. That's what these are. These are economic wars. These are wars right. for in Ukraine. It's about liquefied natural gas and making sure Germany and Russia never come together because we fear Russia's uh, natural resources and manpower. And we fear them getting together with Germany with their technology and their capital. And so that's why we blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. That's why we're doing the Ukraine war. This is all about hegemony, imperialism and economics. And if there's a Marine somewhere, it's there because they're about to steal some natural resources from another country. As everybody's screaming about what a bad guy Putin is for invading Ukraine, the United States is currently occupying a third of Syria. And which third is that? It's the third that has the oil. And how do I know we're there to steal their oil? Because the president of the United States said so. 
And we're not, we're not even benefiting economically. That's, I mean, of course, that's the rub. Jimmy Dore, appreciate Um, Yeah, that was just incredible, man. Uh, I don't know what to say. Just, just excellent. And I think it was so great that he said it on Tucker's show to Tucker, um, who I do think, I love Tucker, and I think he's the best thing out there in the, the late, uh, legacy media. But I do think he's a little bit too hawkish on China. And I hope he, he uh, you know, Tucker, one of the things that was really interesting about Tucker Carlson through the COVID uh, thing is that and now this really aged very well for him but he was if you remember at the beginning of covid pre-emergency in january and february tucker was one of the people really sounding the alarm on it and now part of this is because he's a little hawkish on china and he's like look at what china's doing to us you know and um this is when nancy pelosi was going down to chinatown and not wearing a mask "Ah, don't wear a mask there's nothing to worry about fauci was like oh masks masks are stupid you know what i mean like when they were and he was like no no no. this is actually a lot of epidemiologists are saying this is a real dangerous thing that's really gonna like uh you know be like a problem for the world and then as soon as they switched and went into the lockdown regime he immediately became skeptical of that and I think that aged really well because he could have he first off, he was right that COVID was a big concern and it was much more concerning than when they were downplaying it. Forget even people like me and you who like, uh, you know, are completely opposed the the COVID regime could certainly say that that's one thing I'll acknowledge that I got wrong in all of this. I thought it was just going to be another like bird flu, swine flu, Ebola type thing that would be here and be gone. Um, but no, it did get a whole lot of people sick and, and kill a lot of people who are who are very vulnerable and stuff like that. But Tucker could have easily played that and just been like, see, I was right about this from the very beginning and kind of had that feather in his cap. Like, I, I was right. Now you guys want to do lockdowns and all this. But immediately he started pointing out how the lockdowns were stupid and weren't going to work. And I'm hoping in a way that like Tucker would be able to, even though he's so hawkish on China and look what China's doing so wrong, they're our big enemy, they're screwing us over in all these different ways, that when these these generals start saying we're going to war with with China, he would be like, oh, wait a minute. That's not the the response to this. So just really great that Jimmy Dore was able to get up there and like talk to him about that and go, yeah, it's the same people who are, are you know, screwing us over in the Middle East, screwing us over in Ukraine. Those are the same ones who are trying to push this this war with China. And my God, like. It really is something like what is the goal? Is the goal here just to, uh, you know, destroy the human species because we're we're provoking wars for no reason with two nuclear armed powers two nuclear armed powers who pose absolutely zero threat to us could could you think of a more insane policy and of course pushing them into yeah and of course pushing them into each other's arms i mean if you're if you're russia and china right now wouldn't you almost feel like well we got to make an alliance right I mean, we have to. America's threatening war with both of us. Okay, what are we going to do? And what has been happening over the last year? Well, more and more of that. They've been pushed toward that. Just insane. All right, we're going to wrap up there. Uh, catch uh, me and Robbie the Fire. Or oh, you're out this uh, Saturday, right, with uh, Justin I got Silver? This Saturday with Justin Silver in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. That's a cool little room in a hotel. I actually used to work at. Worked the late night shift at that place. Got really? all the rooms for hookers. It was a good time. Uh, nice. I was just a sweet high school kid at the time, though. But I was like, dude, these guys are getting late in the middle of the afternoon. This is awesome. 
They got money. I thought you were going to be like more interesting than that. Go, that's so nice that this lady or this gentleman paid this lady to hang out in a hotel room with him for a while. And four other guys paid her too. She must be a really good conversationalist. <laughs> no, I wasn't that sweet of a kid. But uh, no, it's going to be fun. And then uh, I think the weekend after that, I'm with uh, opening up for Ryan Long along with BK Chris up in Buffalo. And of course, you and I got a whole bunch of gigs. And then, of course, uh, well, check out the Renner weekend now. after that. I thought the weekend after that we're in. Uh... We're Maybe in two weekends after that, I don't know. Go, you guys. Can We're go. in Detroit. You can go look up the dates. Yeah, de- uh, February tenth and eleventh. Me and Robbie the Fire Bernstein will be out in uh, in in Detroit and Fort Worth, and we got a lot of stuff uh, coming up. Um, let's let, let's just go over it real quick. Uh, February tenth, eleventh in Fort Worth, Dallas, Texas. February seventeenth and eighteenth in uh, Detroit at the House of Comedy there. Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Providence, Rhode Island. Chicago. Uh, at Zanies there, Tampa, Florida at Side Splitters, uh, just added dates in uh, Syracuse and um, and Albany uh, and and more to come. So Comic Dave Smith for all of those uh, all of those dates. And of course, if you're not supporting the show already, please go over to GasDigitalNetwork.com. Use the promo code POTP. That gets you a free trial, um, a seven day free trial. Plus, you get a discounted rate going forward, and you get access to the entire on-demand archives of all of the part of the problem history uh you can really see us shaping this uh philosophy uh over the years and and you can see us uh talking about current events and and go judge our track record uh ad-free uncensored all up at gasdigitalnetwork.com and that's really the way to support the show promo code p-o-t-p when you sign up all right that's it catch you next time peace